Hi, everyone. This is Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs, and we're, we always push the limits of our understanding. We are Joe Landry and Lori Olford, here with you again for another exciting episode where we explore the wondrous subjects that pertain to extraterrestrials, the paranormal, and the mysterious. As it is, this is our Jubilee episode. This is number 50 for our podcast show. So welcome all of you, and thank you for joining us. As always, we're really glad to have you here. So, hey, Lori, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Joe. Uh, yeah, so number 50, uh, my, <laughs> how time goes fast. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for almost 18 months now, and it doesn't feel like it. It, uh, To be honest, it seems like, uh, you know, we're just getting started. Yeah, that's right. We have, we have fun doing this, uh, so it does not seem like a lot of work, uh, even though it is, and we do quite a bit of research and preparation when putting together our episodes. Um, but we do indeed enjoy it. and yeah. Hard to believe we're we're now on number fifty. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, so now the music you just heard is the uh, theme soundtrack that plays at the the museum or at a museum. It's uh, not just any museum. This one happens to be located in southern Arizona and is far away from any city, uh, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It is situated along a desolate stretch of Interstate Ten that goes between Tucson and El Paso. It is under the the, the uh, priority. Sh- Priorityship of uh, Bowden Travel Center, and it is called quite simply the Thing. Uh, Joe and I had a chance to visit there a few weeks ago, and we both enjoyed it. Uh, it was really interesting and fun. Uh, I mean, would you agree, Joe? Yeah, definitely a unique place, uh, especially for being a roadside attraction on a lonely desert highway. I mean, I would actually say it is like a piece of Americana, and that yeah. I think it presents a very well-known idea about alien visitors. It's somewhat reminiscent of Roswell. So uh, we do have a lot of listeners out there who live in Arizona, and some of you probably have heard about the thing and may have even visited yourselves. Uh, like you said, Laurie, it is off of I-10 at exit 322, to be exact, near the town of Dragoon, Arizona. And it's been there for quite a while, since the uh, 1950s. However, the exhibit has changed a, a little over the past few years, and we'll soon see that the change of that theme ties into our topic for today, which is aliens and dinosaurs. So we've discussed many times before how extraterrestrial contact may have been made with prehistoric humans a long time ago. But could that contact on Earth have been going on even long before humans were around? Uh, perhaps as far back as the Jurassic period, which is some 63 million years ago when dinosaurs roamed. Yeah, that's right. So, so Joe, on our previous show, we alluded to how how much of Earth's history is really unknown to us, as humans have only recorded about 5,000 of the 4.5 billion years of its long history. Now, many things could have happened or could have taken place and indeed uh, did take place before we were ever here inhabiting this planet. So what were those things? You know, based on the ancient astronaut theory, uh, extraterrestrial beings have been here several times throughout the distant past. So that raises the question of how often and how far back in time were they coming to Earth? Well, I think our guest who we have joining us today may help give us some perspective on that question. So without further ado, Laurie, I'll give you the honor of introducing him. Thanks. Yeah, that's right. Um, So we have the distinct pleasure today on Alien Talk podcast to be joined by the man who is none other than, I guess, the manager and I guess the creator, if you want. of the thing, uh, we would like to welcome Miles onto the show. Uh, Miles, it 
it's a real privilege to have you here with us. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time to share your story with all of our listeners everywhere. And, uh, and welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks uh, for having me here, you guys, and congratulations on your 50th episode. I think that's a great milestone. And uh, so congratulations on that, um, uh, Lori and Joseph. Uh, I think one thing I do need to just kind of clarify, um, I'm not the manager of the thing or the museum. Um, I am uh, actually employed by Boland Travel Centers, who owns the store as the uh, general manager of billboard operations. But um, I do a lot with um, the creative side of things within all of our stores. We have 10 stores, uh, three in Arizona and seven in New Mexico. And um, so my primary thing is, is overseeing our, our advertising for the billboards. But uh, I had a, a big hand in um, developing and um, executing the remodel and creation of the museum as it is now. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for clarifying that miles. That's uh, that's, that's great. And uh, so tell, but now tell us a little bit about yourself though, like to start with your background and about the thing museum and how you actually got involved in the business of running that and creating it. Okay. Um, well, Let's see. I've, I've been with the company uh, Bolins now for uh, just over 21 years. And so a big part of my life has been uh, with Bolins. Um, prior to that, I was uh, you know, fairly young, actually, but I spent uh, an enlistment in the, uh, the U.S. Navy. And uh, then shortly after I exited from there, I came to work for Bolins in different capacities. I started right in the warehouse, pulling and shipping boxes, uh, driving delivery uh, trucks to the stores, uh, then got laterally moved to uh, begin. Um, actually, my first uh, time as the billboard operations manager, then uh, got moved over to be the warehouse manager. And then I did... Um, some of the uh, online type stuff we tried to, uh, and we still have uh, some online presence and whatnot in uh, sales and things like that. Uh, and then eventually uh, started to, I kind of worked on uh, at that time, started working on my uh, graphic design degree, eventually got that. And while I was working on that, I got uh, pretty much handed the reins to, uh, take care of all of the design work for the billboards. And then also inside the stores, as far as our signage is concerned, uh, kind of POP um, uh, point of purchase signage and, and different things like that, that you would see around the store and did that for a few years. And then they had me take over the, uh, the billboard division. And um, for, I want to say a good 10 years the thought and the concept of doing something new at uh, the thing had been in mind um, probably since about 2007, 2008. And, and somewhere in there, and I'm not too familiar with the history of this, but the, the previous owners were, uh, and they're named in the museum itself as T. Brinkley Prince and his wife, Janet. Now, uh, and they're the ones that were responsible for putting the store where it is 
in existence to this day in 1965. And uh, I guess they uh, had the thing even previous to that at a different store, which is kind of a, a history of it. But I, in 2008, I believe we, we used to rent it back from them. I, it was some kind of weird thing, but uh, we owned the store, but not the land. So we leased the land from them for a number of years. And at one point we purchased it outright. At that point, we started really thinking of upgrading the museum because up until we did the remodel in 2018, it had pretty much gone unchanged for a lot of years. And most of the people that have been there before the way it is now, that's how they remember it, which was very, very kitschy, very, very roadside America, as you uh, alluded to, Americana. Um, it, you know, given the, the uh, tourist trap, I mean, it was the quintessential tourist trap, I believe, one point um, or many points in Americana history on the interstates and whatnot. Um, and it was, I want to say about 2016, the end of 2016, the very beginning of 2017, my boss and I were traveling up to a meeting in our corporate office in Albuquerque. And he said, this is the year. And I said, what year for what? And he goes, well, this year we're going to remodel the thing. This is the year we're going to do it. And I want you to come up with a storyline and the theme for the museum. And I said, oh, okay. And over that uh, you know, previous time, he'd always come up with the idea of he's always wanted to do something with dinosaurs there and ran around different ideas for that. He and his wife had just gone down to Roswell. I guess he was kind of doing his research on his end as to what, if we remodel our museum, what could we charge, that kind of thing. Getting And so knowing that he had gone to see what they had done and the fact that he had always wanted to do something with dinosaurs, just right away, I was like, well, hey, how about aliens versus dinosaurs? And that was the spark of the, was it? the was theme the that we have. <laughs> so first of all, Miles, I just want to thank you for your service in the Navy. Uh, I'm an Air Force veteran myself, so I always... I won't hold that against you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I just want to say I always uh, really appreciate uh, talking to other uh, uh, veterans. So uh, again, thank, thank you, you for your service. I, and it uh, means a lot to to both Lori and, and me. And uh, like I said, I, I did 20 years uh, Air Force and yeah, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, it's just sort of bittersweet. Uh, the military was always sort of like a love-hate relationship for, uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, people have the same experience. But, um, but yeah, thank you for your service. <laughs> well, thank you for yours. And so, you know, Miles, I, I really like the whole mystique of the place. You know, being out in the southwestern desert in the middle of nowhere with nothing in sight, you know, far away from any busy towns or cities, it definitely has character. Uh, and it's almost a, like we were saying, a little bit nostalgic, uh, Amer Americana. But I wonder, how come back in the day, uh, Thomas and Janet Prince didn't decide to build it somewhere uh, along Route 66? It seems like uh, something It seems like something that would draw a whole lot of attention being up there, you know, on the famed uh, America's mainstream, uh, Main Street. What do, you, what do you think? Well, in my research for uh, the storyline and the store itself, um, Come to find out, he actually had a store called The Thing uh, back in the 50s. And it was, I, I don't know exactly which highway it is, but it, it I guess it lies near um, 
in between Baker, California and the Nevada state line. So wherever that is, um, I think Baker's Baker, it's not Baker's field, but Baker, California. Yeah. Um, that he had, he had the original store there and the, um, uh, the, the highway department for the U S was at that time beginning the interstates. And so they were going to basically put an interstate right through his store. And they said, you got to get rid of it. And I think that was in like either 1955 or 1960, somewhere I get my dates mixed up a little bit, but um, he had to move. Well, he, I think he was originally from Tucson. So it kind of made sense for him. He was an old lawyer guy and whatnot. So um, it just made sense for him to, to move it down in that area. And that's, that's where they put it. Okay. I guess that shed some light on it. So yeah, interesting. So I remember when I walked into the museum and I was faced with a plaque on the wall that has a quote from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle that says, right. once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. And I believe that is from Sherlock Holmes' book, The Sign of the Four. And, uh, and then there's another plaque underneath that one, and it begins with the line, what if you were told that all you know about history is false? So this is a challenge to skeptics, right? <laughs> and, and as you continue on throughout the museum, you come across more plaques that begin with the phrase. Uh, it seems that you're not so much trying to convince people to believe something as much as you're encouraging them to stop and ponder and, and ask questions that they may not otherwise ask. So why this particular subject of ancient aliens? What got why get people to ask if um, human civilization has had extraterrestrial influences? Well, um, you know, I know in the, in the prep questions, you had several authors in here that quite honestly, I've never heard of. Um, but I, I think at the time my thought process was, you know, when we came up with the whole idea of aliens versus dinosaurs, you know, for the last, I would say uh, 10 years or so there's, uh, in, in the mainstream, um, creative circles, I guess, and entertainment. Um, there's been a big thing with mashups. And, uh, so you have the aliens versus, uh, or alien versus predator. And I think I've even seen some with Terminator versus some other obscure character or something like that, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's just been real big in, uh, the current culture. And so, in my mind, that's kind of what I was, uh, you know, going for was that. And I, and I know that just from watching different shows on discovery, cause I know that used to be the ancient aliens show on there, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm sure that some of that was, you know, influenced and in kind of a, my subconscious or whatever. And, uh, that's just kind of what we did. We just kind of went with it, um, and tried to, to create a timeline, if you will, and get from point A to point B okay. and uh, went with that. Yeah. Well, you know, that was, uh, that's quite a history to the thing. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very good to know. So, so the narrative all begins with the planet uh, Rothian prime uh, being on the verge of collapse. And it has two warring races of, 
extraterrestrials living on it, known as the the Maserat and the the Milzerath, the Milzerath and the uh, Amatria or Amatria, Amatria. Right now, this does sound similar to the theory that was put forth by uh, the late Zachariah Sitchin. And he was a researcher in the Mesopotamian cuneiform, and he had translated all of these texts and um, and put them in his own uh, series of books. I think there's six of them, and they're called the Chron- the Earth Chronicles. And according to what he deciphered in some of the unearthed uh, tablets, there's a planet that was called Nibiru, and it was dying due to the atmospheric disasters, and and that it was inhabited by two races known as the Anunnaki. And the Agigi, and just like the uh, Maserath and the uh, Amatria or Amatria, the uh, the former one was more hostile. So, mm-hmm. so the, and and I know in the prep questions you had mentioned. Um, so the people we were talking about that we thought you might have been influenced by um, were the uh, ancient astronaut proponents like you know Zachariah Sitchin and Eric von Danigan, Graham Hancock, and, and Robert Sherrill. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. Right. Uh, Joe? Yeah. I must have lost you. Yeah. Uh, Do we lose a connection there? No, I, I don't know. I don't think so. But anyway, uh, yeah, Joe, you have anything else? Oh, just was saying that, you know, Ancient Aliens on the History Channel uh, did air an episode about 10 years ago on how uh, extraterrestrials you know, could have visited the Earth millions of years ago. Um, but, Miles, I mean, if you still uh, have a connection here with us, what inspired okay. Are you still there, Miles? Yes, sir. Okay, great. Great. Um, what we're just saying there uh, is, you know, Ancient Aliens I, I, on the History Channel, they did an, uh, air an episode, I think it was like 10 years ago, and they talked about how uh, extraterrestrials could have visited Earth millions of years ago. But, you know, what inspired you with this specific storyline? I mean, with the battles, I mean, uh, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at, you know, with the Triceratops and the T-Rex, you know, being right. screwed and harnessed. Uh, that's yeah. Pretty extreme, <laughs> extreme stuff. And also... Right. How did you devise these names like the Miles Arath and, you know, and also like with the aliens weaponry and the neural interface control systems that we, we saw uh, on display for the dinosaurs? How did you come up with that? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, I'm probably a little weird, I guess, just thinking of some dreaming up some of this stuff. But I don't think it's anything... Um, that hasn't been explored before, just like what we're talking about ancient aliens. Obviously these theories have been around for a long time and people have, you know, explored these theories and researched these theories. And, and um, I wanted to create something and I'm by no means I'm the only one that had influence in a lot of these ideas. Cause we, we tossed around quite a bit of, of, you know, concepts and things like that. Um, but 
I think as far as the the ancient, I, I, I'm trying to think of how to how to describe this, but um, essentially, I wanted to come up with some kind of a of a theory that could be realistic and it would kind of flow into a story that would get you throughout history um, in a way that was uh, familiar to some, you know, but also just like with the questions that we, that we pose throughout the museum and you're very much accurate in saying, we're not really trying to tell you what, what, the story is as much as we want you to explore it and think about it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a lot of storytelling nowadays in movies and whatnot, I think they telegraph the ending or the point too easily for people. I like, um, you know, gosh, even think about like star Wars, for instance, nowadays, everybody wants to know all these intricate details of how, this person's involved here and there and there. And I think originally George Lucas was more like interested in you as a viewer, having a interest in sparked to have your own creative ideas about things and theories instead of having to be told everything. Yeah, I see. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there is and a big that's what I like. I'd, I'd rather be, I don't know. I, I, I'm a, I'm a free thinking guy. I want to, I want to think for myself and I want to be able to dream up some of my own theories. And so the, and the thing about the thing is that we've always wanted it to be mysterious. So we, we had the goals in mind of taking existing exhibits from the old museum and bringing them over to the new museum. I, I didn't feel comfortable with just discarding all these cool things that we used to have in the old museum. Some of them were just dilapidated and there was no resurrecting them. But, um, you know, so if you're going to do that, you've got to create a storyline that gets you there somehow. And so that's kind of our, our challenges were, were thus. And so with the whole aliens versus dinosaurs, well, Obviously, there's no dinosaurs now, so we've got to go back 65 million years or so. And, um, you know, I thought, heck, you know, we'll put aliens there. You know, it's it's not an uncommon theory. And so how do we get from aliens landing here, discovering dinosaurs, and what would, you know, what would cause them to leave the planet if there's this great planet that they've discovered? So, well... War, war would always make somebody go away, you know. Um, and or I think you you wanted to kind of get on on this one, uh, asking about that particular question, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole thing experience for me is like, man, I why don't they just make a movie of this <laughs> based on this? It's, it was it was really good, but yeah. Well, according to your storyline, uh, Miles, it the saga the saga continues on like five hundred years. Uh, after these uh, these warring races are battling, I guess, mm-hmm. like where they manipulate the the dinosaur DNA, and uh, this is where they they were now capable of having invented the uh, technology to have some sort of mind control over the dinosaurs. So right. on, 
and until the dinosaurs be, you know, until the dinosaurs become uh, self-aware and overcame the technology um, by learning to think independently. So in other words, I guess they developed their own conscious, I guess, and it's um, the beginning of the alien versus dinosaur war and where the, you know, the gentle Amatria or Amatria, I keep getting that mixed up, uh, race developed a special bond with the dinosaurs. And so the questions you read on the plaques are, or as you walk through the museum is, you know, like Joe said, stated earlier, what if? So mm-hmm. what if aliens have been here before and had done this? Now, according to the storyline, the answer provided to that question is, is yes. Now, Miles, we know that the story you presented at the thing is a work of fiction. But, but we ask, have you read about any discoveries that, you know, may lead ancient alien theor- theorists to speculate that aliens had arrived to Earth back during the time of the dinosaurs. Anything like abnormal, uh, abnormality in the bone arrangements from you know uh, paleontological paleontological digs and that sort of thing. Well, you know, I'm I'm uh, definitely no expert on um, any of that kind of stuff. But uh, like we've alluded to, I think there's always these strange phenomenon. There's always strange discoveries that we can't really wrap because we're, you know, humans are finite and we can't, we can't understand the infinite because we have a very limited perspective. We're limited by time, obviously, um, but we're limited in our capacity to, to think, you know, to a certain extent, obviously we're very creative and we can come up with a lot of things, but over, over the, the course of, human existence we've tried to um i think come up with ideas of how to explain phenomenon right you know whether it's uh you know the ancient ancient peoples you know they they said well it's gods gods were the thing to explain away the unexplainable i think nowadays it's aliens um and but you know there's so many things that we just don't understand about our history and our existence there's so many questions that we constantly have and we make these discoveries and and things like that and it's very interesting you know i i think sometimes we as a technologically advanced people as we are now don't look at the people that lived in ancient times as being technologically advanced but they were very advanced and, you know, I mean, gosh, how did they create the pyramids? You know, I mean, there's just amazing things that people would, you know, civilizations would come up with. Yeah, we actually spent a whole know. episode just on that alone. <laughs> right. I mean, gosh, you know, there's exactly. just so many things like, yeah. you know, how did these people come up with these things? You know, well, because we're human, we're very intelligent people, you know, yeah. uh, could there be an outside influence? I don't know. I, there's no way to, to 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 know that you know but as far as this you're very right uh lori about the technological things i you know um and you'll notice it in the way that the story goes when you think about it um a lot of what we i guess you could even say fear today plays an influence in what is written on the storyline yeah. right you you a big um thing nowadays especially with like uh you know modern 
um, technology the way it is, is and AI is is the AI becoming self aware. You know, we we fear that our technology is what's gonna um, wipe us out. Our own technology is gonna be aware of itself and it's gonna wipe us out. That you know, IE Terminator and IE you know, uh, the matrix, you know, which that's a whole other can of worms that we can talk about. Well, I don't know um, about the, uh, the dwellers. Yeah. Yeah. Some good points. You made some, some really yeah. good remarks and points there. So, you know, naturally that's where I went with the uh, whole mind control. You know, how, how is a alien race going to control these dinosaurs? They, Cause they see these, they come visit, they go, Oh man, you know, we could utilize their size and their, um, their sheer power to our advantage to create our civilization. So, well, how do you do that? We perceive dinosaurs as being these just dumb animals with tiny brains, you know, but as we start to learn more about them, maybe they were more intelligent than we thought, but, you know, they were like an advanced civilization. So they thought, you know, we can control their minds and then, and start manipulating their DNA accordingly. And therefore, you know, maybe that, will allow them to become self-aware and they realize they're enslaved. They don't like it. Well, and that's they, what they did to us. They rebelled, right? Well, what about so, the, I mean, uh, what's going right. to talk about the cave dwellers. I think this kind of leads into that. They, you mentioned them as a sort of missing link to the mammals and the primates uh, that later appear in zoological evolution. And that the, these two alien races fought for, fought with each other for control of the cave dwellers. Now, does that tie, that, that does tie in with the whole mystery of the thing, doesn't it? Well, yes, and I'm and I'm really I'm I'm happy that you kind of made that connection because I I wanted the cave dwellers to be a hint of the existing mystery, you know, um, almost like observers, I, I think, um, to what was going on around them, you know, maybe pre-humanoid. Right. Um, they. They chose to uh, obviously, and they were intelligent. Uh, you know, had some form of intelligence uh, in order to to be able to fend for themselves and have somewhat of a civilization. You know, um, a cave dwelling that a lot of what you'll also read in the museum ties to the area um, because you have Karchner Caverns just you know south of uh, kind of southwest of the thing itself, and so I wanted to pull in different influences from the area. Um, but, you know, I figured if I was a human and the surface of the earth was covered with these mighty beasts called dinosaurs, I don't know if I'd want to live up there. <laughs> so well, it's like, probably how... safer to live in a cave, yeah. you know, and then go out and hunt when you need to. And obviously, you know, gosh, you know, how much, how long will a brontosaurus meat last? You know, I mean, it could feed a lot of people. And the, well, we really like how uh, you picked the, what the cave art could have looked like if, if these yeah. ancient dwellers witnessed something like, like aliens coming and going in their spaceships. Um, I mean, did you base that off of any samples from actual petroglyphs that you may have seen uh, showing similar images? Oh yeah. You know, and I, I don't know if I have any, you know, specifics, but of course that, the, the team that helped design it is called Worlds of Wow. They did a really fantastic job in collaborating with us and, and kind of executing some of these <clears throat> thoughts that were running around in my head, you know, and putting them on paper. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and fine tuning them and stuff. They were, they were 
you know, were very helpful with that. You know, I'd kind of come up with some sketches and, and, uh, some ideas and, and we banter them about and come up with some ideas, you know, and, and put them out there. Right. Um, well, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting because that's what I feel is what we as humans did, you know, when we became self-aware by, you know, having our DNA, uh, you know, tampered with uh, by our extraterrestrial gods or whatever you want to call them. And, uh, you know, we, our ancestors did that, but cave art and because they witnessed these gods roaming the earth. That's why the Bible says, and there were giants upon the earth in those days. So even that in a scripture verse is, you know, an ancient human telling us what used to be on the earth. And, and Miles, I, I don't know if you, if you heard about this or not, but this plays well into your theme of aliens versus dinosaurs uh, and I was watching the 1970 documentary film Chariots of the Gods, which is based on the book of the same title by one of the uh, ancient alien theorists. Uh, one that pretty much started all this is Eric Von Danigan. And it was produced way back then by Terra Film. And if you can get past a cheesy 70s type cheesy music, <laughs> it's quite informative. Um, okay. But what really got my attention was that they discovered two relics in uh, uh, Uzbekistan that no one can explain. So one was the skull of a 40,000 year old bison with a hole in the middle of its forehead. And the forensics experts determined that it was caused by a high speed projectile and that it actually caused the death of the, uh, the bison. Now this was 40,000 years ago, a bullet of some kind killed this animal that long ago. And the other thing that this, that they discovered was a rock painting, which we're talking about with the cave dwellers, uh, showing what seemed strangely like an ancient astronaut standing in full spacesuit garb and a flying saucer above uh, this being with a beam shooting down from this saucer. Now, we posted a picture of it on our Facebook page for everyone to see. But there is no question as to what this is from a modern perspective, which brings us to the question, you know, how much truth is in the fiction, Miles? Like uh, after hearing about these findings that I just told you about, do you believe your storyline may hold some truths about intelligent alien life forms coming to Earth as far back as millions of years ago? Well, it may. What if? Right. Indeed. I, no I think that was that was my you know our goal in this was to um, not like I said we don't want to answer any questions we we love the whole idea my boss is the one that said you know what if you know what if this happened what if that happened that that's what we wanted to to put forward you know we wanted to try to put a whole bunch of ideas out there that you know people could theorize upon themselves and much like you guys were you know, have done a ton of research and, and this whole theory and whatnot. And so, you know, just, it really just adds to that, you know, and I think taking nuggets of what we know is factual from history and sprinkling in some of these theories, if you will, or fictional ideas, you know, maybe we're on to something here. So the next question is a little, uh, maybe a little more ambiguous, uh, but you don't stop with any of your, your 
hypothesis uh, that aliens have controlled the dinosaurs and and actually it may have played a significant part in their extinction uh, as the story goes uh, as we see in the in the museum it goes on to explain that these alien races continue to remain in an eternal struggle to influence the evolution of homo sapiens and that the eventual outcome of human affairs uh, and that they've done so secretively and in the shadows of history and are actually behind the rise and falls of many empires. Now, do you find a connection with that and the idea of secret governments like the Illuminati? Oh, well, certainly, you know, do. That's everybody has their um, um, conspiracy theories, you know, and we dedicate a whole wall, which, you know, I definitely after meeting and talking to you guys, I've got fodder for more content on my conspiracy wall. That's for sure. Um, maybe I can find a picture of a bison with a hole in his head or something, but, um, you know, that was, I think another, you know, concept that we, we took on, you know, how, uh, the, the big thing was that, you know, they, they, they had this battle, they decided to end it with the asteroid, you know, being flung to earth. Well, it kind of wiped out everything. So all the aliens had to leave because it was uninhabitable. But then, you know, thousands of years later, they return and they, they decide that, you know, it, it was, it was such a catastrophic event when they first were here that as generations had died off, they, they came back and, um, uh, you know, decided you know they're still they're still at war but they're gonna do it in a, in a smarter way i guess through all these you know when they come back and they see civilization and whatnot and they see all these different um yeah humans and you know how can we influence them to our benefit essentially you know to maintain this control or whatever so we don't want to tell too much of you'll this. notice we, we want to notice oh go ahead i was gonna say you'll notice a lot of biblical overtones throughout this um about uh, throughout the museum you know um the the section in there that has the whole timeline that you weave through is all right. you know biblically based history with we the rise all the civilizations we don't want to too much we don't want to give like a spoil here we want people to, we want people to know what it is before they actually go see it either so that's true <laughs> yeah so uh um, well you can yeah. cut that out <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, it's the experience of going to the thing, taking your time to walk through this thing, listen to that dramatic music, the theatrical music you have playing. Take your time and you know read these these plaques and enjoy the storyline and look at these amazing you know dinosaurs and aliens that you have uh, set up in this thing. Um, I mean, it'll totally make the experience worthwhile. So, but I mean. We at this point in our time are able to separate fiction from nonfiction right now, but you give it like 3000 years into the future, there may be another civilization with a completely different view about life with different languages, completely different from ours. Um, They will eventually find remnants of our civilization and will have a heck of a time trying to understand our way of life. Now, reading books like, say, somebody finds a Star Wars trilogy and, you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to try and interpret that story from 
this language called English, which uh, by then may well be, you know, antiquated and forgotten. A future civilization may perceive us in a certain way that would be historically uh, inaccurate, um, even though our literature would portray it as such. Like sci-fi stories like Star Wars and even Star Trek might be debated by archaeologists of the 31st century to be either you know, allegories or true accounts of real events and real people. The uh, the new civilization might actually attempt to find the Star Wars galaxy, for all we know. Um, then there will be intelligent people who would ask, well, hey, wait a minute, uh, could this be fake? <laughs> um, but the point is, I mean, we could be a civilization that is built over one that's covered in mud right now, just just like with the, uh, the myth of uh, Tartaria over on the Asian continent, yet undiscovered from millions of years ago. Um, we talked about that on our last episode about the pre-Adamic race. So narratives like this from your story, the thing, may not be too far from the truth, uh, based on the ancient astronaut theory derived from you know ancient myth- you know, uh, mythological texts. And do you think it seems to hold up, Miles? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. There's always new things to be discovered and, and mysteries to be uncovered, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, you think about the ancient Egyptians, they had archaeologists for their own mm-hmm. culture because there was, um, I believe there's a pretty big distance between when the pyramids were created to when I think even Cleopatra existed. There's, yeah, a, right. there's a span of several i think a few thousand years you think about it like there was a huge span they had their own archaeologist discovering stuff about their own culture that yep. was forgotten because they had they had existed for so long and so you know i, I very much you know think mm-hmm. that well you know what are people going to discover from us when when we're long gone yeah. yeah, like you said, uh, Laurie, a couple of weeks ago, we discussed how there is evidence preserved in the oral traditions of many cultures around the world about how pre-Adamic people may have existed. Uh, that is uh, the existence of some race of beings, possibly human, possibly something else that was around before the creation, the biblical creation of Adam and Eve, and then completely vanished, possibly in a big flood. Um, some scholars believe that through comparative mythology, we may find some deeper truth in the way of allegorical importance and that it may be linked to other traditions like that of lost civilizations. So, Miles, how, how do you think your story of the thing ties in with such legends? Do you think something like uh, Atlantis or Lemuria fits into that? Oh, you know, for sure. Um, I'm pretty sure even our conspiracy wall has things that allude to those um those concepts, um, uh, you know, um, and like I said, there's a lot of biblical overtones and thoughts in this too, because we wanted to come kind of with a, with a broad thought basis on it, kind of logical, but not leaving, not necessarily leaving stones unturned, but maybe, you know, kicking over the stones and letting other people explore their thoughts on it. Right. Now, this next um, question might be a little bit of a, a loaded one, <laughs> but uh, I have to ask you, what kind of reaction do you usually get from people after they visit the thing? And I imagine that many folks who are strongly religious might um, object to the whole notion and the, the whole story being told, you know, on the grounds that it is not biblically based and, and gives no mention of God, of Yahweh. 
Um, have you had the opportunities to hold discussions with people about the, you know, what if idea and how there really is quite a bit about the Earth's history of which we know very little? Um, therefore, you know, like we were saying, why not ponder uh, these alternate possibilities, right? But I, I can truly envision that some evangelical Christians might be almost indignant uh, with that. So how about that? Well, um, I am an evangelical Christian. Um, and I, I'm not indignant, but I guess I can't be cause I, you know, wrote most of it, <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, and I actually haven't had the opportunity to talk to anybody, um, as far as, you know, gosh, that, that was indignant about it. I, nobody's, nobody's confronted me about, oh, I can't believe this, this is such hooey and, I'm sure I have no doubt that there's people that have gone through there. I, um, there was a, a, a time where I had to spend some time doing a repair on our T-Rex there. And I do remember one, one guy specifically coming through there that was just totally, he was hundred percent on board. He was like, man, man, this stuff is totally true. This is exactly what happened. I believe it, you know? So, I mean, you've got uh, such a, a breadth of people you know a lot of people come in there just think it's cool you know it's simple they they don't really do a lot of in-depth reading you know which that's the the way we built it we built it to where people could dive in deep and really read and pick up on a lot of the nuances and the easter eggs if you will of history um and see some of those things that are hidden you know um because there are a lot of those, there's a lot of little Easter egg things that are, that are throughout it, you know, that, that if you really wanted to, to deep dive, you could. So it's, it's, it's deep, but then at the same time, there's people that can just kind of breeze through it and be entertained and whatnot. Um, but being an evangelical Christian, I, I feel like um, I tried to sprinkle some things throughout there. Um, there's, there's hints to it. You know, just when you talk about the Millsarath and the Amatria, the Millsarath were warring. They're they're the ones that on the original planet were the ones for defense. You know, the the guys that um, you know created the the they were the ones that were responsible for defense uh, of their planet and you know whatnot. The Amatria were the scientists, and uh, the Millsarath were more, I guess you could almost say barbaric. But the Amatria believed that they were created by a higher power. And, and so there's some of that, you know, tension, um, I you see. think well, about, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and I don't know, you, you like I said, the history of it all, uh, is, is directly, you know, from the Bible. I think that as far as how I personally believe God created us as very intelligent people, but, and he knew because of our creation, you think about just the artistic nature of the petroglyphs, right? That you see from ancient times. Well, we were always an artistic type of people, uh, uh, the human beings. So that's always been a part of our, of our history across cultures and across time. Um, we look at the stars and we explore, we, we, we dream and we think about that. God had to create it big enough that we could never see the end of it because we are so intelligent. Well, you know, it's, it, and it's so, and it's absolutely fine be, because of our imaginations and our curiosity. It, it's perfectly fine to ask those 
the question, well, what if? I mean, because we don't know. We have what religion uh, tells us. And, you know, religion has changed and has uh, spread throughout the world. And there's been many translations and, and everything over the past thousands and thousands of years. But um, it's funny, Joy, you brought that up because uh, when we were leaving the museum, uh, did you notice the lady near the exit door shaking her head and going, <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I mean, uh, I mean, that's uh, I don't know. I mean, when I wrote my book, Let Us Descend, the biblical first contact, boy, I tell you what, um, the church gave me a very hard time. Uh, I had anxiety. I would wake up in the middle of the night just because I, I questioned things of what I was raised to believe. I questioned a lot of the stuff because I was an evangelical preacher. I was a Pentecostal holy ruler. And uh, when I wrote that book, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that I mean, yeah, you're going to hell, and uh, yeah, you're a you're a you're you're pagan, you're in Eden, uh, yeah, you're just all out bad. So, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, just think about how you know we go from day to day, you know, visiting these places, and you know, and we go, you know, we we live our lives eating, drinking, you know, we play sports, we're watching movies, etc. So. I mean, imagine if 50 million years ago, there was a civilization around doing much of the same things. Like, can we really say that that's impossible? Like, uh, I, I think we we can say, no, we cannot. Like, simply because we have no idea what all is buried hundreds of feet down below us or what all lies on the bottom of the ocean floor. And I think how and what and what's below the ocean floor and i think how we like to say here on on the podcast uh, that we always push the limits of our understanding i i, I think it goes uh, along with your theme of encouraging people to always ask what if it's, it's simply humans being curious right i i believe that yes i i think so i i think when we as humans become so arrogant to think that we have the answer where that's immediately we're we're wrong because you know i believe that that god created what he created for us to ponder and knowing that we would ponder those things and we would seek answers he made it to where we would never understand it because if we were to understand it, then, you know, what use is, is God if we understood it all? Because it's impossible for the created to understand their creator fully. Right. Certainly the notion of alien encounters having occurred, you know, on our planet for millions of years, you know, going back to the time of the dinosaurs, is, it's indeed a pretty radical one. Um, people might be quick to dismiss it, you know, being on the premise that we're, we're not taught that in, in science classes. Um, but you organize and, and lay out the information and, and the exhibits in your museum so well and so creatively. Uh, this, this whole story flows as you walk through it. And it, it's set up in such a way that it just leads people to uh, naturally engage their curiosity. And Lori and I really like that. And it guides your mind uh, to ponder the whole progression of Earth's history. And I think it's a really neat place. Don't you uh, Don't you think so, Laurie? 
Oh yeah, it is. And uh, and the movie type soundtracks being played as you you know walk past the storyboards just only enhances the experience. So like I said, I could see that as like a movie or something, you know. So uh, so for those of you our listeners who are interested in the ancient alien theory or just enjoy good old storytelling, we I mean we highly recommend you stop by the thing if you haven't been there. And if you happen to ever be in southern Arizona, I mean make a point to check it out. Uh, like we said, it's a fun time, especially for the kids. Uh, you'll get a kick out of, you know, or they get a kick of seeing an alien riding on the back of a, you know, velociraptor and fighting a giant T-Rex with laser guns. And so, uh, Miles, I take it that overall you get a lot of positive feedback from folks. Is that right? Yes, I, I believe we do. You know, we, we do have those just like that person that you encountered at the end, you know, kind of waving her finger or something you get you get some of those you know some some people like the old one that they like the old dusty you know highly kitschy version and they're disappointed that we redid it but that's a small percentage yeah um and it was a you know it was a it was a lot of work doing it but it was such a fun uh project to work on you know because i was able to really just let my you know, kind of let loose with creativity, you know, they, they, they kind of let me just take the reins and work with it. And then, you know, we, we definitely, uh, uh, it's definitely not all my creation. That's for sure. It, we had, you know, I had a lot of help with every bit of it and, uh, and whatnot, but, um, you know, it was a, it was definitely a fun project. It was a long project. It took us just about a year to, uh, to do from, start to finish but um you know yeah it's a, it's it's a lot of fun we we love the idea of letting people explore as little or as much as they want to yeah you know, there's awesome. no there's no time limit to go through it they take their time and you know Lori, as you're saying a movie if james cameron is listening hey <laughs> we're come on come on and let's let's do something we'd love it to be a movie we yeah, think we that can. would be cool we can only hope, right? We can only hope Cameron actually listens to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's you right. Know. I'm sure he's listening. You know, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I still somebody's to... listening. Somebody out there, come on, give us a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still need to take my little grandkids there. I, I know they'll really love it. Uh, they're into everything about dinosaurs. You know, toys, books, cartoons. Uh, it should be right up their alley. And uh, just so everybody knows, we're not. We won't say here what the thing is. All of you out there will just have to see for yourselves whenever you make a trip out to Arizona to check it out. (laughs) And uh, all we will say is that it is the culmination of the whole substance of a very interesting roadside attraction. And it is real. It is something. It's not just a story in and of itself. It's more than that. Uh, You'll just have to wait and be surprised when you do get a chance to see it. You know what? I have been authorized to tell you what it is. Well, okay. we, we, want to, we want to keep everybody in suspense. It's the mystery of the desert. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, I need to take my grandkids there as well because uh, my daughter's son, Ezra, man, he uh, constantly walks around the house roaring like T-Rex and watches Jurassic World and Jurassic Park over and over again. <laughs> and But anyone who visits will have a great time. And it's, what, uh, $5 admission to go see? And... Um, yeah, it's five five dollars for individuals, ten dollars for families. 
Oh, okay. Oh, we didn't know that. So that's that's good. Uh, well, it's definitely worth it, and it's educational as well. And uh, the place has some really cool things on display, and even aside from all the aliens and spaceships and dinosaurs. So, uh, if you're as fascinated with ancient astronaut theory as we are, you you'll really enjoy uh, finding out about this uh, the thing museum has in store. That's right. So be sure to drop in if you ever find yourselves driving along Interstate 10 near Dragoon, Arizona, about 40 miles or so east of Tucson. Uh, You'll be glad you did. Uh, So that concludes our show for today. Uh, Thank you all for once again tuning into the program. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, Next show begins a new season for us. And as it happens, it's close to Halloween. Uh, Yeah, that's right. It's here again. (laughs) Um, That means we're going to touch on the ethereal the necromantic, uh, the druidic, if you will. Our next topic will be about Stonehenge, and we'll explore the uncanny mystery of the world's most famous monolith by which many people wonder if it has a possible extraterrestrial influence from the past. Yep, and uh, a thorough uh, analysis of Stonehenge wouldn't be complete if we didn't also investigate its connection with Halloween's ghostly uh, predecessor, uh, that being the Celtic uh, Festival of Samhain once celebrated throughout the British Isles to honor the autumn or the autumn harvest and the time before Christianity. Uh, we'll also look at how Samhain mythology and the alien Anunnaki and the reptilians uh, tie into it. So yeah, be sure to listen in on Sunday, October 23rd, and that's one week before Halloween. It's uh, certain to be a, an illuminating episode. For certain. So Miles, we, we want to thank you for being a part of the show today. You have a uh... A really fascinating story to tell about the thing. And it was a pleasure to be able to talk to you and and have the opportunity for you to share your insight with, with all of our audience. Yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, fair to say that our listeners are you know, ones who enjoy asking the questions of what if uh, when pondering matters of the unknown, like the origins of our universe and the history of our planet. So your museum attraction is right on with you know what we like to discuss here. So, yes, uh, thanks for being on the show with us. Well, uh, Joseph and Lori, I really appreciate uh, the time. I, th- I appreciate you guys thinking of us and and uh, having us on uh, with you guys. And and uh, hey, congratulations again for your fiftieth episode. I'm Thank glad you. that I got to be number fifty, and and Boland's got to be on the fiftieth episode. That's a great milestone. And hey, here's to the next fifty. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, so don't forget to follow us on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Uh, send us any questions, comments, or suggestions. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts about aliens, UFOs, the mysterious, and the paranormal. So folks, until next time, stay curious. Uh, also, be sure to check us out on the Patreon.com. We always appreciate your continued support for the program. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to being with you again next time here on Alien Talk Podcast. Bye, everyone.